Likutei Sicha is Chelech Hapeis, Volume 22, the Sicha for Parshish Tazria and Mitzayra. This Sicha will explain, first of all, the names of the Parsha, Tazria and Mitzayra, what they mean and what they represent. Also, the connection between these two Parshas, how they come together, and also how this connects to the idea, the concept of Mashiach and the Geula. Uh, for your information, we're going to skip Chapter 5, and then from chapter 9 and on. Those are very vital, but just time doesn't allow to cover every single chapter. I would suggest very strongly that you take the time to study these. Just as an introduction, there are first of all three types of afflictions that are discussed in Tazriya Mitzayra. One is on the skin of a human. The second is a garment, leather garments. And the third, at the end of Parshas Mitzayra, the discussion about afflictions on the homes and the stone and the walls of the homes. Another thing that's worthwhile to familiarize yourself with, there are three, quote, there are three camps in the Jewish uh, sector. Okay, that is, this is based as when, when B'nai Yisrael were traveling in the desert. So you had Machane Shechina was the inner camp, that's where the Mishkan was, that's where the temple, the, the Mishkan and its courtyard. Around it, which is a secondary level of Kedusha, is Machane Levia, that's the camp of the, of the Levim, where Moshe Rabbeinu was and so on. And then you have the third camp, the outer circle, which is Machane Yisrael. Now if somebody, for example, was Tommy Mace, meaning they came in contact with a dead body, of course they were eliminated, they were not allowed to be in the, in the inner camp, which is the highest rung, the highest level of Kedusha, which is However, a Mitzayra, the Torah tells us that that he has to sit isolated outside of all the camps, meaning even he's expelled not only from the Machana from the camp that um, has the Shechina there, the holiness, the, the Beis Hamikdash, but not, not only from Machana Levia, but also from any Machana, meaning he's not allowed to be amongst any of the Jewish people. Uh, another thing that's worthwhile to familiarize ourselves with, there are four different titles for the human being that we find throughout the Torah. And they represent various levels. The higher of it, the highest one, is Adam. When a person is referred to as, referred to as Adam, that represents, so to speak, the ultimate person. The ultimate person meaning the ultimate, ultimate level of Kedusha, of holiness and spirituality. Then you have Ish, Gever and Anish. Let's get into the Sicha. So the Rebbe says that the, these two parashas, Tazriya and Mitzrayda, most years they come adjacent, they come together one another. Now what is the connection between those parashas? It seems to be a very obvious connection. Why? Because in both of these parashas there is discussion about more or less the same thing. Tazriya that is the first parasha, begins with the afflictions, afflictions on the skin of a person, and Mitzrayda discusses most most of it is a discussion of how one becomes pure how one rids oneself from this from these uh, types of afflictions namely the ones on the skin of a person also at the end of mitzayra there is the completion of the list of afflictions as we mentioned in the introduction and that is uh, right at the end it mentions the this and i'm sorry discusses the afflictions the nagoyim of bias of the home 
what, so this is obvious, this is understood. However, what we do need to understand is the following. Of course, it's known that the names of the Parshios are not just merely identification means. Rather, the name of the Parsha brings out the essence of the Parsha. The name of the Parsha actually tells us the theme of what the Parsha is about in the most part. And therefore, the question is, it would seem that these two names, Tazriya Mitzraya, these two titles, actually do not fit in with the actual message of the Parsha. Why is that? Number one, when you look at Tazriya, what does the word Tazriya mean? It says, Isha ki Tazriya, a woman conceives, and then what does it say? Viyodan, she gives birth, meaning that it brings life. This is the beginning of life. But however, the question is, what is the connection to afflictions which most of the Parsha discusses. Moreover, if you think of it, Tazria, actually not only this doesn't seem to be a connection, it seems to be the opposite of what the entire Parsha talks about. Why? Because like we said, Tazria means the beginning of life. This is the exact opposite of what the whole idea of Mitzrayah is all about, because a Mitzrayah, somebody who's afflicted with Saras, actually by the Chazal is referred to as somebody who's like dead, He's Chashuv Kameis, he's considered as if he's dead to a great degree. So it's the opposite of life. Now another question, when we look at Parsha's Mitzayra, let's look at that Parsha. What does most of the Parsha talk about? What is the bulk of the discussion of Parsha? About the purification process, meaning how one ceases to from being a Mitzayra, and one now becomes a non-Mitzayra. One is no longer affected by the impurities of Saras, and yet the name of the Parsha is Mitzrayah. So this seems to be odd. It doesn't represent, at least not on the surface, what the Parsha is discussing. Now, that one could actually, if one tried, one can perhaps make the attempt to say, well, true that most of the Parsha doesn't talk about actual Mitzrayah, but rather the time after he is a Mitzrayah. However, the end of the Parsha discusses, as we said in the introduction, it discusses the details of the affliction of the homes, which is a type of Tzaras, right? But So maybe that's the reason why it's called Mitzrayah. Well, this is not a sufficient answer. Why not? Because number one, when one looks into Rashi, one finds right away that the category, the status of the affliction, quote-unquote, on the homes is totally different than that of the affliction on the skin of a person or even on one's garments. Because over there, there's actually a very, very positive uh, side to it. In fact, Rashi says that it was sometimes occurred as an extremely positive thing. In other words, it's not the same as what happens when a person has an affliction to the skin, which is a totally negative thing, or at least it seems to be a totally negative thing. Okay, so this, this doesn't answer, so we're back to the question. Again, the question is, it seems that the name, the title of the parsha Tsaras, does not adequately, or does not at all, represent the theme of the parsha, what the parsha discusses, which is the time after one is a Mitzvah. Now, another question, and this is just a general one. The common name for this parsha, in other words, Minagisro, the common custom amongst Jews is to refer to this parsha as parsha's mitzvah, thus Tazriya and Mitzvah. 
But the, it would seem odd because Mitzoyra has a very negative connotation. It's a negative thing. A Mitzaras, Mitzoyra, it's a very negative expression. And do we find even that in fact there was some G'dayla Yisrael, for example, the Rasag, Rapsadya Goyen, Rashi, Rambam, that they actually preferred another title for this parsha. And in other words, when they had to reference this parsha, they wouldn't reference it by the name Mitzayda, but rather they would just reference it by the first few words where it says, Zois Tihiyah, this shall be, etc. Meaning that they refrained from referring to it in, in the negative. So why is it become common Jewish practice to refer to it as Mitzayda? In other words, what positive benefit is there in there that it becomes okay? So the Rebbe says to explain all of this, we'll preface with one of the fundamentals of our faith, of Judaism. And that is reward and punishment. In the Rambam's words, the Rambam says that the 11th fundamentals, he lifts off the foundations, the fundamentals of our faith. And he says the 11th one is that Hashem Yisbarach gives reward for people who do the mitzvahs and unfortunately punishment for those who um, transgress his warnings, who go against his wishes. And he writes, what is, the, what is the reward? What is the greatest reward? The ultimate reward is Elam Haba. And what is the greatest punishment that there can be? That is Kares, unfortunately, when the soul gets cut off. Now, we know that Torah is, the Torah is called Torah's Chesed. It's a Torah of benevolence, of kindness. And from this we can understand that even when the Torah gives punishment, even the punishments in the Torah are not for the purpose of punishing, so to speak, of getting back at the person, of hurting the person, but rather it is to correct, to refine the soul of the sinner, meaning to purify it, to rectify it. And we find actually an example for this in actual halacha. The halacha says, the Gemara says in Maseches Makas, that all those that have committed transgressions, which call for the punishment of Karis, which is a very severe one, a person that would die young in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, and God forbid the soul gets cut off from Elam Haba, but anybody that has transgressed this type of transgression, but they have received Malchus, if they receive the lashes, you know, the full set of lashes, or that's up to 39 lashes, then they become exempt, meaning they have now, so to speak, paid their price, and they don't no longer deserve Karis. So you see that the purpose is not to get back at the person and cut them off and hurt them, but rather to purify them. And if the person on their own, or on their own, so to speak, initiative, go ahead, goes ahead and receives an even lighter punishment, that absolves them from the greater punishment. Thus the proof that the Torah is not out to hurt the person, to get back at the person, to have them feel pain because of what they did, but rather to rectify them, to bring them to a better place. Now, although this is true, but in the, re the reality is that when you look at most of the punishments in the Torah, we don't see this in the obvious, in the open. In other words, most punishments in the Torah seem to be very harsh, very severe, and we don't see an actual, so to speak, silver lining. We don't see the actual good that's in there. However, when it comes to Tsaras, when it comes to this particular type of punishment, this particular type of affliction that we're discussing here, we actually do see the positive in it. We actually could see very vividly how this is actually a good thing, not a bad thing. And the Ramba, in the Rambam's words, the Rambam says 
that all these afflictions in the homes and the clothing and so on, he says, this is not, quote, mimin This is not the normal practice of how nature works. This is not a normal uh, standard thing. Rather, he says, this is like a wonder. This is like a miraculous thing that would occur only amongst the Jews. And he says, this is for the purpose of to warn them, to have them refrain from speaking Lashon Hara. And he, would, he, gave, and he, he describes the process. One who talks Lashon Hara, first the walls of his house would start to change. If he changes ways, then the house would become purified. Things would go back to normal. If, however, he continued or insisted on his wicked ways, to the point that he would have to destroy the stones in his home and rebuild, so to speak, a new wall, then it would move on to the leather garments that's in the home. And if even this won't help, then his own skin would start to, to change, meaning he would be afflicted with saras on his skin, and then he would have to be isolated and separated from everyone until he would learn to stop engaging in you know this bad talk, the wicked talk as the Rambam discusses it, and he would stop talking Lashon Hara. So what do you see? That the fact that Hashem makes a change in nature, He actually veers off the course of nature, and makes a wondrous thing, is not to hurt some Ayid, is not to get back at a Jew, but rather to make the Jew, to bring him to a better place, to warn them, quote-unquote, from speaking Lashon Hara, to have him refrain from engaging in bad talk. And Hashem does it first, He goes from light to heavy, meaning first, he doesn't afflict a person immediately. You see, if Hashem was out to hurt the person, He would go straight for the person to hurt him where it really hurts, on their skin, on their body, on their person. No, first He starts with the home, which is something private. It's actually not something which would actually even shame the person. Most people wouldn't even know about it, right? Because the, 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 the home doesn't walk in the street. The home is something private. So you can it's still contained. And there, if you fix your ways, then it would go away. Then, if that didn't help, then it goes to something more severe, to garments, which garments already are something external, what people can see. And even if that didn't help, then it would go to the person's skin. So you see that Hashem does it all in a way to make the person better, to help the person, to make it, um, not to punish him, not to get back at him, but rather that the person should improve the ways. Based on this, we can have a better appreciation and answer some of the questions we asked. Why is this Parsha that talks about the affliction of the skin of a person, Tzaraz, why is it called Tazria? Because what is Tazria, as we said? Tazria means when a woman conceives and this starts, this triggers the beginning of life. This was what leads up to birth, right? Of new life. Likewise here. The idea of Tzaraz is not to hurt a person, is not to make them quote-unquote like dead, but rather to trigger quote, a new life, a virtue without Lashon Hara, a restart, a refresh. And this is why it's called Tazriya. Now, since everything in the Torah is a directive, Torah Meloshen Hira, that means every single detail, every single episode, every single idea in the Torah serves as a lesson, not just for itself, but for everything. Thus, since this mitzvah, as we just proved, serves, uh, 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 this, since this mitzvah 
is precisely for the purpose not of hurting the person. And what we can see clearly and obviously, very vividly, that is for the purpose of helping the person, of making the person better, of giving them a new life, of triggering it and bringing in a new era in the person's life. This serves as an example for all the other punishments in the Torah, that it tells us that those two are not for the purpose of hurting a person, but rather it is for the purpose of making the person's life better, quote, a new life, a better life. However, one can still ask the question, why did the Torah pick precisely this mitzvah, I mean this uh, punishment, or what seems to be a punishment, why did it pick this one to be, so to speak, the poster child, to be the example for all the other punishments in the Torah, for all the other harsh, uh, what seems to be harshness in the Torah? Well, the answer is, is that but perhaps we can suggest, because since we said, as we quoted before, that a mitzvah is not just a punishment, it's not just an affliction, but the Talmud, the Torah, the Gemara equates it to being literally like dead. It's like a walking dead person. It's like a living dead. And also, the Tzaras triggers one of the worst things possible, that a person becomes isolated. For a human being to be alone, to be isolated, is considered to be one of the most difficult things, one of the most challenging punishments. And since this, as we just explained, is proven to be not a punishment, in itself, but rather it is for the purpose of good, this can tell us, this become very telling about all the other punishments in the Torah, which most of them are far less uh, in severity than this. Now, just like in the revealed and the obvious, we just explained that this whole idea of the person becoming afflicted and their skin becoming, you know, becoming uh, afflicted with saras, and then they have to sit outside of the camp and be isolated from everyone, is really not a negative thing, it's really not a bad thing, but it is for their good, that in order for them to stop speaking Lashon Hara and become a better person, this is also paralleled, this idea is also paralleled in Pnimi Yisatera, in the esoteric part of the Torah. The Alter Rebbe points out something very interesting. When you look about in the Torah, where the Torah begins a discussion about saras in the skin of a person, it says, Adam ki A Adam who will be afflicted in the in the skin of his flesh will be will be afflicted with sapachas with the various forms of saras. Notice that it uses the title Adam, and the Alter Rebbe explains why is it so. Because the Alter Rebbe says that only in somebody who's on the level of Adam, which is the highest possible level that a human being can be, in the most refined state, only in such a person would there ever be a possibility of mitzaras occurring. In other words, only somebody who is so refined, who is such a high level, would they be susceptible to saras if and in the event that they spoke some Lashon Hara. What is the reason? The Alter Rebbe explains... Because if you look at the words, it says, that there will be in the skin of his flesh, meaning on the most outer part of the person, there will be an affliction. Which this tells us, says the Alter Rebbe, that in his pneumius, meaning internally, the person is intact and the person is perfect. It's just in their external part of their body, that's where they have some blemish, and therefore it has to express itself in some kind of affliction in order to wipe it away. So Al-Tarebbe explains 
This is also the reason why nowadays there is no such phenomena of Tsaras, because nowadays, says the Al-Tarebbe quote, there isn't such a type of person, even the greatest tzaddik and somebody who's so good that he doesn't have even some little bad in their internal aspect of themselves, and therefore there's no reason for it to just, for them to get affected on their external part when they have some bad insight. In other words, what the is saying is that the reason why the Torah uses the term Adam is to tell us that this is a person that is perfect on the inside, and for in order for them to become also perfect on the outside, the Torah helps them, by the Torah triggers that by making this affliction on them. And therefore, this leads us again to the conclusion that it's all very, very good. It's a new birth, and this whole idea of this whole miraculous thing is only to help the person come to a better place, but it's only on their superficial part, and the outer part, not on the inner part. Now, says the Rebbe, will also appreciate and understand why the parsha, the second parsha, is called Mitzayra. You see, Remember the question was, this speaks about his purification, not when he's in the status of Mitzvah, so why is it called Mitzvah? So the Rebbe explains, because when you look at it, we need to um, understand it correctly. The idea of the Parsha, meaning the the, the ideas that are discussed in the Parsha, the, the person becomes pure, the person becomes relieved of the impurity of the Tumah, says the Rebbe, it's not that once you start the process as described in the parsha, then you're becoming pure. In other words, till now you were Tommy, and now when you do such and such, then you become Toher. Says the Rebbe, no. Really what it's telling us is that all along, Mitzayra, when the person was Mitzayra, they were in a process of becoming pure. They were already in a process which was a continuous process of them becoming pure and better. It's just now the finishing touches is, so to speak, what the Torah describes in doing this with the bird, with the blood, and so on and so forth. But in but really, it's the idea of tzaras, the mitzvah, which brings about the purity, which made them which made them pure. And that is why it, this again, this is called parshas mitzvah, because now it's the completion of the tahara. In other words, altogether the purification that was taking place all the time that this person was in the process of tzaras, in the actual affliction time, and now what he's finishing at the end with his with his tahara, with the process of describing the parsha, all together this is mitzvah, which all in some total means the person becoming pure, leaving the state that they were in, and having, like we said before, a rebirth. Now, till now we discussed about an individual Jew who may have been afflicted by Tzaraz. Says the Rebbe now will apply it to the generality of Am Yisrael. Because every single portion, every single thing in the Torah <coughs> applies not just to an individual or a certain individual case uh, or, or episode that's being discussed, but rather it applies to all Jews at all times. So the Rebbe said this, says this concept of Tazriya Mitzrayah applies to us, especially now as we are in Golos. In Golos, we are like in a state of that we're like sitting isolated outside of our camp. We're not where we really belong. We're not where we really want to be. And it looks like in the surface, it seems like a very bad thing. We want to get out of here. But the truth is that this is all a, 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 an idea. This is all a concept of tazria, of, of the, like, like the woman who's conceiving. This is all our avoida now during the time of Golas is to lead us to that rebirth is all 
putting down the seeds for the ultimate birth that will come when the Geula comes, and all the revelations that will be then when the Geula comes will all be a result, not in spite of, but because of all the Avoida that we've accumulated, all the accomplishments that we've accumulated throughout the time of Golis. And this is our Avoida, says the Rebbe. Our Avoida is to bring together Tazriya and Mitzvah. And that's why most of the times, most years, Tazriya and Mitzvah come together. Our Avoida is to bring down the Tazriya. I'm sorry, to connect the Tazriya, which is the phase of cons- conception, of putting down the seeds, of beginning the process of the birth, which is all the time of Golos, and connected to Mitzayra, which again, like we said, Mitzayra means when Mashiach comes, it's not that then we're going to become pure, that then there's going to be the revelations, that then the Avoid is going to be meaningful, but rather then we're going to realize how all along everything we did, just like in the idea of Mitzayra, all the time, everything throughout the time of Golos was all really part of what we're going to experience then, or let's say enjoy then the revelation of, but really it was happening all along. In other words, the Geula is ticking slowly but surely, it's happening now, we just cannot see it yet until the ultimate time comes.